0: I my house this week a woman moves a thousand miles away to shake a stalker but geography is no obstacle for her abusive ex a case that spans over three states and ends in the Central Valley you can run but you can't hide next. Welcome to Murder in the Central Valley. This week we're in Turlock. It's 2003, and I'm sure that 32-year-old Peggy Clinky never dreamed she'd live here. Or die here. Clinky, fearing a stalker might hurt her, fled from New Mexico. Then one January morning her worst nightmare popped out from behind some boxes in her garage. But let's rewind and find out how she, or they, got here. The information contained in this podcast is obtained from online sources. All people reported on here are innocent until proven guilty. Most of these crimes have been through the court system and the suspects are either dead or tucked away safely in prison. Due to graphic content, viewer discretion is advised. In 1997, 28-year-old Margaret Peggy Klinky Peggy, as friends called her, was an undergraduate at the University of New Mexico. She had been married for about a year and living in Italy, but when they moved to Albuquerque they dissolved the marriage. Originally being from Youngstown, Ohio, Peggy decided to stay in New Mexico to finish college. In November, she met 32-year-old Patrick Kennedy in a study group. They hit it off. At first they'd go to dinner and movies, just a normal start of a relationship he seemed like a nice, normal guy. But looks can be deceiving. A few months later Peggy went back home to Poland, Ohio, for a few weeks over Christmas. She had mentioned to her sisters she was dating someone, but not much more was said. A week into her holiday, there was a clue that something was amiss with Patrick, there was a knock at the door, Peggy was upstairs, and came down to see who was there. Much to her surprise, there stood Patrick Kennedy with a suitcase. He said he was there, to surprise her. Remember in 1997 the internet was very rudimentary. So how did Patrick find her? She didn't give him an address of where she was staying. They invited him in and he spent the next week with them. The family was not impressed with him at all. He would hover over Peggy, dominate all the conversations, and was overly friendly. For her family this threw up red flags immediately, but they were just dating and they figured she would move on from him eventually. But soon the two moved in together. From the start Patrick was getting between Peggy and her family. Wedging oneself between a person's friends and family is the cornerstone of an abusive relationship. Peggy seemed happy, but something was changing. She would call her married sister and ask about what they argue about. She never said what was wrong, but this was an indication that Patrick might be a problem. But what can a family do from afar when an abusive person wraps their tentacles around their loved one? Many times the abuse becomes just a normal part of life, these relationships aren't about love, they're about control, and Patrick was doing a great job. He wasn't physically abusive, but emotionally and verbally. When Peggy would be getting dressed for a job interview, he would say that she looks like a slut or a whore or is stupid. Later, he would be all apologies, take her to dinner and buy her flowers. This is the pattern of abuse. Abusers are afraid to let their victims do anything on their own because if they find out how good things can be without them, they would surely lose them. So when Peggy was invited on a family vacation, much to the family's surprise, Patrick tagged along. He never let her be alone with anyone and she never interacted with her family, which was not like her. She didn't seem to be having fun on the trip. Her family was concerned because apparently, Patrick brought a gun with him. She said it was for safety. Peggy had essentially become Patrick's prisoner. She feared what he would do to her if she left him. She expressed this to one of her sisters. One sister convinced her to wait until he's gone, then fly to Vegas, and stay with her. Clinky made the plans and executed them, perfectly. One day, while Kennedy was gone, she went to the airport. Was she finally rid of this bad relationship? Was Patrick out of her life? While at the airport the invisible grip Patrick had on her struck her with fear. She spent the day puking at the airport, before calling the whole thing off. In 2001, a close friend of Peggy's was getting married back in Ohio. She had a plane ticket and a hotel room all set with family and friends. Patrick took it on himself to cancel her flight and book a new one, so he could go too. They stayed in a hotel across the street from everyone else. He said he really wanted to be with her family and friends. They were wondering what the hell he was doing there. He wasn't invited and the whole thing was just weird. Let's talk about Patrick Lee Kennedy. Patrick was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico in 1965. I couldn't find any information about when he was growing up, but I'm sure he was a gentleman. He graduated from the University of New Mexico with the Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering. Despite having his degree, he was a landscaper. Being his own boss gave him the freedom to torment Peggy. He had a young daughter from a previous marriage. When his ex-wife threw him out, he started stalking her. She kept going to the police about this. She filed an order of protection against him for stalking. Once, he used a glass cutter to cut up all the windows in her car. Another time, he dumped red paint all over the place. There was also allegations that he had molested their daughter. On the last report she filed she wrote on the back in big letters, quote, he is stalking me." He's not going to be happy until he kills me or kills our young daughter. The police just ignored this. In order to keep visitation rights with his daughter, a judge said he had to have a psychological evaluation. He declined and gave up his partial custody of his daughter. At the beginning of 2002, the Clinky family was elated to learn that the three-plus-year nightmare was over. Peggy waited until Patrick was gone, packed all her stuff up and left him for good. She had been going back and forth all day moving. When she was on her last trip, Patrick was home. Kennedy had changed the combination for the garage and barricaded the front door. He also called the police. When they responded he told them that someone tried to break in and he thinks their lives are in danger and she shouldn't leave. The cops asked her if she was okay, and did she want to stay, Patrick shot her a look and she said she just wanted to get the rest of her things and go. Police obliged and stayed while she got her stuff. Once she moved across town, Patrick couldn't find her. But of course, he had her phone number and knew the yoga studio where she taught. Then the stalking began. Patrick would call her, some days up to 50 times. Peggy would never answer, but his messages paint a picture of his temper. He would leave messages calling her a whore and telling her to fuck off, then apologize and try to make up. Good, then get the hell out of my life. Oh need you? Beat it. Leave me alone. I'm sorry, babe. I didn't mean that either. I, I just yell sometimes because I get so scared. Scared of being a nobody. He would also follow her and randomly show up at her work at the yoga studio and just watch her. While this was going on, Peggy met someone new named Mark, and he was not batshit crazy. She informed him that she had a relentless stalker. Mark was okay with it. One day Peggy was going into the studio and she heard a rustling in the bushes, out pops Patrick with a dozen red roses and a wedding ring. As she passed by he said I love you, will you marry me? She kept her gaze straight ahead and didn't say a word. This enraged Patrick and he would now take it to the next level. He got her picture, and had 300 flyers made that said, she had two abortions and counting, also, she was a whore, and that she sleeps with lots of men, and said, call me, and gave her number. He distributed them all over town, even on the door of the yoga studio. Mark persuaded her to finally go to the police. She showed them her phone records, and the flyer. They, of course, told her that you can't be arrested for printing up flyers. Come back when something happens. In June of 2002, Peggy's brother was getting married in Orlando. Out of the blue Patrick called and left a message that said he wished he could be there to see the wedding. I hope you have a beautiful day. No hard feelings. Mark, Peggy and family travel to Orlando for the wedding. This was time for Patrick to get to work. He boarded a plane to Youngstown, Ohio and paid a visit to Peggy's mother's house. He spray painted on her garage door, quote, PK is a whore. A class act. He wasn't done yet. He flew back to Albuquerque and paid a visit to Mark's house. He managed to get into the rear of the house, turned the gas on and lit it up. The back of his house was burned. No harm, no foul but they thought this was going to finally get the wheels turning on getting Patrick put behind bars. Hard proof of his harassment. Peggy showed investigators boot prints near the gas main. It's of a person that walks with their left foot out, just like Patrick, in fact she recognizes the print as the boots she bought for him. She tells them, this is the work of my stalker. But investigators didn't seem too interested in actually solving the arson fire, just investigating it. So one more opportunity missed. She went to the police and filed a protective order against Kennedy. He wasn't going to take this lying down, he too gets a protective order against her. It states that she's a drug addict and a threat to him and his daughter. Both lawyered up and went to court. The judge ordered both to stay away from each other and set a trial date. When they left the courtroom Patrick said to Peggy, I told you not to fuck with me. Ironic. The good news is there was a trial set. The bad news was that it was five months away. Finally, something was going to be done about her stalker. In the meantime, Mark and Peggy decided it would be best for her to get out of Dodge. Who knows what Patrick could do to her in almost half a year. She was a pharmaceutical salesperson now, so she could move anywhere. So she secretly moved to Turlock. Great detail was taken to make sure Patrick couldn't find her. She got a new cell phone number. She went to the police station and got paperwork to file for protection in California, and showed some of her neighbors Patrick's picture, telling people watch out for this guy, he's stalking me. She had her mail sent home to Ohio, and from there her mother could forward it to her. Patrick was searching Hill and Dale for Clinky, but she's nowhere to be found. One day the phone rang at the office of the moving company that Peggy had hired to move her the thousand miles away. It was a person that identified himself as a police officer. He said that some of Miss Clinky's items had been stolen and he needed her address to send them to her. The lady told him they do not give out that kind of information. He said fine, don't worry about it. The moving company called Peggy to tell her about the call, she told them nothing of hers has been stolen. That was no cop, it was my stalker. Strike one. Thanksgiving 2002 Peggy went back to Albuquerque to visit. One of Peggy's sisters got a call from Patrick. He said he knew where Peggy was and she will be dead in two minutes. Police were called and sent to where Peggy was staying and she was just fine. Thankfully, Patrick was bluffing. Patrick hired a private investigator to find her. He had been corresponding with him via email with no luck. In the meantime Patrick somehow found a phone number of one of Peggy's co-workers. He called her and said he needed to talk to her about some finances. She told him she had never heard of Peggy. He told her if you run into her don't tell her I called. Strike 2. The co-worker called Peggy to inform her someone had called looking for her. She said thank you for not giving out my information, that was my stalker. Christmas 2002 Peggy went back home for the holidays. She looked thin, but she was happy to be home, happy, but worried. The PI finally provided Patrick with a street name, but no town or address. Colorado Avenue Somewhere in Stanislaus County. Lots of towns have a Colorado Avenue. So Patrick printed up fake business cards saying he was a private investigator, and on a Friday checked his pistol and a rifle in at the airport. Him, a picture of Peggy, fake business cards, fake documents, rope and duct tape, flew to San Jose, rented a car and drove to the Central Valley. Patrick went from town to town showing her picture asking if anyone knows her. He eventually ended up in Turlock. In this town Colorado Avenue is a two-mile stretch. According to court documents, Kennedy happened upon Richard Proctor, a UPS driver sorting packages. Patrick showed him Peggy's picture and the fake documents saying she owed his client $10,000. Richard thought it was suspicious. He told him he couldn't give him that information. Kennedy gave him his card and got his cell phone number. Something didn't smell right to Richard and he called the police. They told him to not give him any information and to tell his supervisor at UPS. Later that evening, Patrick called Richard on his cell phone. After talking him up a bit, Proctor allegedly caved and gave Kennedy Peggy's full address. Jackpot Saturday, January 18th started off as a normal day for Peggy. She had plans to go for coffee with her neighbor, Rachel. She stepped into her garage for a second, and out pops Patrick from behind some boxes. She tries to run, but he pistol-whips her in the head and throws her against a wall, and duck-tapes her hands and mouth. Somehow she finds a way to run. She makes it to her front door and is met with Rachel, gushing blood, screaming, they book it to Rachel's condo and hide in a closet. Frantically, Peggy calls 911, as Patrick breaks through the glass slider. He finds them as she's on the phone with dispatch. 911 emergency. I have a stalker and he's here to kill me. He's already beat me up and take me. He's in my house, 1410, number 1180. Who's, who's there? Patrick Kennedy. He's beating me up with a gun. He's trying to break it now. Does he have a gun right he's now? He's he he already beat my head. If you don't get here, he's going to kill both of us. Okay, we're on the way, ma'am. Now. Are they on the way? I'm, they're on their way. Quickly, my head is stopping wet with blood. He, he gets in this house, he's going to kill us. Stay on the line with me ma'am. I'm staying on the line. Oh my god. How close are they? They're on their way. Patrick, I'm the only one here. You ran. Please. Stop it. Please stop it. I actually got you to kill me. Is he? Ma'am? Police make their way down the hall. Peggy is on the floor with a gun to the back of her head. The police try to talk to Patrick, but he's not having any of it. Calmly, Peggy tells cops to keep out. Tell my mother I love her, tell her my sick niece will now have a guardian angel watching over her, another sister was pregnant with a girl, she says tell my sister to name the baby after me. Suddenly, Patrick sees that Rachel is in the closet. He lowers the gun and tells her to get the hell out. She ran towards the door and escaped, Just as this was happening Patrick fired shots at police, then turned the gun on Peggy and shot her in the back of the head, then, turned the gun on himself. The police dragged Peggy out to the front lawn, where sadly she passes away. The years of torment, the phone calls, the surveillance, the harassment, ended in the worst way possible. Just one week before the trial. Rachel said that Peggy was acting calm before she was killed. If there is any silver lining to all this, Peggy's eldest sister Debbie helped make January National Stalker Awareness Month. She speaks to other women about the dangers of stalking, probably saving countless lives. But how is it that so many people can see what is going on but there is absolutely nothing anyone can do to stop it? Even Patrick's dad, Royce, said he knew he was stalking her but didn't know how badly. He said he was a good boy growing up but something went tragically wrong and he just snapped. Peggy is buried in Poland Riverside Cemetery. She would have been 51 this December. In 2004 Peggy's mother filed a lawsuit against United Parcel Service holding them responsible for her daughter's death. The court determined that it was not UPS's fault as Richard was not on the clock and the company has a strict policy against giving out personal details about their customers. The case was dismissed. In 2006 they appealed the decision, but it was upheld. The sad part is, there are plenty of Peggy's out there right now. In fact, stalking has been on the rise ever since the COVID lockdown. And high-tech devices like smartphones have made stalking even easier. So what would you do if a stranger came up to you in the street and asked you for someone's address? Remember. When Patrick Kennedy approached Richard, the two had never met and he had no idea she was being stalked. Here are some warning signs that someone could become a stalker. Jealousy. Manipulative. Narcissistic. Deceptive. Obsessive. Instantly falls in love. Socially awkward, uncomfortable. Controlling. Depends on others for sense of self can't cope with rejection entitlement won't take no for an answer does not take responsibility for own feelings or actions patrick fit these to a T. do you think you could be tricked into divulging pertinent information on someone comment down below next week a fake pregnancy a murdered mother a kidnapped infant A heinous plan to steal a woman's baby. Don't miss the plot of the Baby Snatchers on Murder in the Central Valley. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you liked what you've heard, leave a comment down below and tell a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, MITCVYoutube.com. You can also listen at MurderInTheCentralValley.com hope to see you next time. And if you have a case you think I should cover, email me at valley at gmail.com. Thank you.